Welcome to Soul Wisdom Transitions, the podcast that explores the spiritual and emotional transitions that shape our lives. I'm your host, Terry, and in each episode, we'll be diving deep into the stories, insights, and messages we have all received over the course of our lives. I call these messages our PTS, post-traumatic stories. During each episode, we will explore how to identify our stories, when and how they started, and most importantly, how to change our reaction to our triggers into a response that will enable us to experience the outcome we desire. From navigating grief and loss to exploring new paths of self-discovery and growth, Soul Wisdom Transitions is your guide to overcoming life's challenges and triggers with grace, resilience, and authenticity. So sit back, relax, and join us on this journey of discovery and transformation. Welcome, seekers of truth and wisdom, to Soul Wisdom Transitions, where we embrace the magical dance between the mind, the body, and the spirit. This sacred space is dedicated to guiding you on a soulful journey of self-discovery, personal growth, and spiritual awakening. Get ready to harness the power within as we embark on a transformational odyssey towards a more enlightened and fulfilling existence. Open your hearts and minds for the wisdom of the soul awaits. Let the transition begin. Welcome back to another episode of Soul Wisdom Transitions, where we explore the various stages of personal transformation and spiritual growth. I am your host, Terry, and today we have a very special guest joining us. Please welcome Jody Grieve. Jody, an avid lover of travel, is a sought-after motivational speaker and author. Her messages help you identify and eliminate excuses. She speaks from personal experience from her adventures hiking the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu, the Mirador Las Torres in Patagonia, and to the rooftop of Africa, Mount Kilimanjaro. And I was impressed with my 14er, but I digress. (laughs) Those are impressive too. (laughs) As a performance mindset coach, Jody mentors and supports her clients working on goal setting, the mindset needed to reach these goals, building confidence, and all-around self-care. She emphasizes with clients that winning doesn't mean that you always finish first, but that the skills you gain along the way set you up for a bigger win. Jody is a former intercollegiate women's basketball coach. She uses her skills that she learned in the game of basketball to transition to the game of life. Jody currently resides in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing your wisdom with our listeners today, Jody. Thanks so much for having me, Terry. So on your website, jodygrieve.com, and all of the Jody's contact information will be available in the show notes, uh, you have this statement it's not about finishing first. It's about winning. And I also noticed in the first chapter of your book, Conquering Kilimanjaro, that while you were in grade school, one of the things you said is all you wanted to do was win. And if you didn't win, you were mad. (laughs) So can you share a little bit about how you flipped that switch? Of course. Well, as a... 
as an athlete and as a coach, we're always taught that the only way that you can win is if you come in first. And you're taught that as a little kid in elementary school, you're playing games, you're running races, and you're just naturally taught the only way that you win is if you come in first. And I even distinctly remember a billboard at the 96 Olympics, which were held in Atlanta, and it says, you don't win silver, you lose the gold. And at the time I was thinking, oh yeah, that is so right. Like you, you're losing the gold if you don't win, if you only get silver. Well, that was the mentality I had for a very long time. And, and I do want to say there is a difference between competitions where races like such as the Olympics, there's games that are played there is a winner per se. And it's always interesting since I work with athletes, especially as that's the first question is like, well, I have to win. That's the goal is to win the game is to win the race. Yes, it is. However, that's not the only way that you can win. Coming in first is not the only way that you can win. And I had that mentality of you have to come in first to win all the way through till 2019 when I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Every single day on the mountain, I dead last, absolutely dead last. And in my head, I'm thinking I'm not winning. I'm thinking that I'm not reaching my goal. And it was clearly written all over my face because I don't hide my emotions very well. And on the third day of the hike, it was an eight day hike that I took, the third day of the hike, one of our guides said, he asked me what was wrong. And I just tried to blow it off. I was not trying to be the Debbie Downer of the group or anything like that. And told him, oh, I'm, I'm fine. And he was like, no, Jody, like, seriously, what's wrong? I was like, well, I'm coming in last. And that's defeating, like mentally defeating, like I'm not doing good. And he said, Jody, there's no prize for finish, finishing first. Somebody's already done that. He said, you're winning by finishing every day and keep and you keep going. And at the in that moment, it made sense. I was like, hmm, yeah, that, that kind of made sense. But it didn't really register in my brain until the summit night. And it was probably about the fifth hour when I was really questioning life and a whole lot of other things. <laughs> and it really sunk in that it didn't matter what place I was coming in. It didn't matter out of the group of 10 that I was with what place I came in because at the end of the day, I won because I was doing it. And I won because I reached Uhuru Peak. Again, came in dead last. However, I was still winning for the goal that I had set for myself. And I think all too often we have a comparison syndrome of thinking that because if we're a business owner, we're not as big as a Steve Jobs or any of these other CEOs of these conglomerate companies. And that's simply not the case because there's so many other people that are still very successful, that are still winning, and they just don't happen to make as much money. And, um, and I really think that that kind of gets lost in translation sometimes, especially with athletes, because I got the chance to witness a friend of mine who competed at the world championships in Budapest, Hungary last summer, and she won second place 
in the 400 meter hurdles. She won that. She didn't win the gold. She won the silver. And it's still, that means she's number two in the world. And you can't tell me that that person is not a winner. Exactly, exactly. And there's just so much truth to everything that you said is we unfortunately teach our younglings that winning is everything. If you didn't win, if you didn't come in first, you are the first loser. I mean, there are so many things like that, that is just like, but no, what did you learn? It's kind of like, for me, I am not an athlete, never was, so I don't pretend to be, but I did uh, I did work in the National Basketball Association for a while, so I kind of got that, <laughs> understand the mindset. And for me, it's not reaching, and I think you mentioned this too on your website, it's not being first at reaching the destination. It's what are the experience I had along the way? And that's where the growth comes from. And you know, let's let's do what we can to teach our up and coming athletes. I mean, especially especially Special Olympics. It's like, oh my God, so what if you didn't come in first? You are here. And how amazing is that? So, you know, you tried. And how amazing is that? And, you know, if you don't even try or tell yourself, well, I'm I'm not gonna win, so I'm not gonna bother. Well, then of course you're not going to win. You're not even giving yourself the chance. So, you know, a lot of the things that you say on the website and uh, helping your clients, you help them to embrace the mindset to push through on a daily basis. Believe that your mind and body will do the things that you never imagined possible when they are pushed to the limit. I think we can both acknowledge that. I'm a traumatic brain injury survivor. And if you had told me after my injury that I was going to be a, an award-winning author, a podcast host, and a successful award-winning business owner, I would have said, oh my God, no. I mean, I'm broken. I broke my head. My brain doesn't work. And yet, because of my attitude, when something didn't go quite right or the way it used to be, Instead of saying, oh my God, I'm broken, that's it, life is over, I'm just going to, you know, sit on the couch and watch reruns of The Big Bang Theory and I'm fine. Instead, I just was like, wow, okay, that was different and that didn't work. So what can I do to help myself make it work? It was a complete rewiring of my brain and a whole new learning experience of, could I be, as I was in the past, a very high-level executive assistant for a global behemoth called the Walt Disney Company? Probably not, because the multitasking skills aren't quite there anymore. But that's okay, because what's opened for me, being a equine gestalt coach on my ranch, a motivational speaker, and award-winning author, it's like, okay. So if my brain injury didn't happen, I would not have had the opportunity to have all of these experiences. So with your mind shift, with your shift of, you know, winning isn't everything, was there any soul connection that kind of like sparked and said, okay, this is a different mindset and I can work with this? Definitely was. And that's the reason that I'm doing what I do now. And 
And I think it's, I really try and teach athletes, like you need to make sure that you're giving everything that you have that day. And you have to make sure that you account for all of the wins that you have along the way. And you had mentioned something about, you know, everything that you learn, it's about enjoying the journey and not just the destination. And there's going to be times that things are just, they're going to suck. It's going to be hard and you're going to want to give up. But as long as you're giving everything that you have that particular day, you're going to be able to build on that. And in the world of athletics, you might not be first in practice that day. You might not be first in, you know, the sprints or in the shooting drill or whatever. But if you're giving everything that you have that day, when it comes time to really put it into practice, i.e. a game or a race, then that's when the ultimate goal and the ultimate prize is going to happen. And that's what it was for me. I had to make sure that I was doing everything I could those days that I was hiking in order to get to the ultimate goal. And after coming back and I started sharing my story, I ended up doing a Facebook Live because there were so many people. It was very humbling and honoring that there were so many people that wanted to know the story of the hike. And I just didn't want to tell it 150 million times. So I got on Facebook Live and just told people to join. And afterwards, people were telling me, you know, you should really think about speaking on this. And I had zero clue. I was like, well, okay. And consulted a few. <laughs> right. Huh? And I and and going to Kilimanjaro, I didn't do it as this midlife crisis. I'm trying to find myself. However, I knew hiking a mountain is going to teach you a thing or 10 about yourself, right? And so I was ready to embrace that part of it. But I did not know that it was going to lead me to where I am now because I had been a collegiate basketball coach for 14 years. I was taking what I thought was a timeout from coaching college ball and really had a few things that I was doing, but not super passionate about and really kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And whenever it was, it came up with speaking, did a little research. Okay. How can I get into this? What do I need to do? And then boom, I started doing it. And then that led into the mindset coaching. And people had honestly been telling me for years that I should be a life coach or something. And I was looking at them like they had three heads because it made no sense to me how I could could do that. Now, I'll give my friends all the advice in the world, but being any sort of life coach in any capacity just was foreign to me. I finally listened about five or six years later, and that's what I've started doing. And so it's really crazy how one instance in your life, no matter how large or how small you may think it is and how that can generate some, just like you with your TBI, you had no idea what that was going to do for you. And it's led you to where you are now. If you would have told me 15 years ago, I would be sitting doing podcast interviews and speaking to, to different groups. I would have looked at you like you had three heads because that was just something that, that hadn't crossed my mind and being able to have the the ability, not only the time freedom, but the physical ability to do 
the three hikes that I've done is I definitely don't take that for granted for sure, but it's definitely taught me so many different things and has put me in a, in a different place in my life that I never thought would be here. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as you pointed out, it is definitely the journey. It is not the destination. Winning, you know, there's that old adage, winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. No, it's not. Winning is not. And winning for so many people, if you really ask someone, winning is very subjective. So winning is not coming in first. It's participating in the first place. Now, I will share this with listeners now because uh, it, this just landed in my lap a couple of days ago. I have been invited to participate in the 2024 Miss Senior America Colorado pageant. And if anyone has read my book, they know that my trigger is if I do participate in something, I come in second. I never come in first. So I'm going into this for the experience. And I will, you know, eat my words if I come in first and you'll see me with my crown and my sash. But it's not something I would have ever, you know, I'm not a pageant person. I don't do frou-frou. But it's the journey. It's like, oh, this is something I would never even considered. Let's explore this. What does this look like? What can I do? You know, what is my talent? You know, and there's no bathing suits, although there is a evening gown. But I'll I'll deal with that, you know, when I get there. So um, just listening to the soul wisdom, and it was the little soul wisdom. It was like, well, why not? Give it a shot. Some of the best things happen when you take that one step outside your comfort zone. And I love seeing people. I love to experience things with things that I've never had an experience with. For instance, I've got a friend that is helping. I work with a, a nonprofit and a women's group in, t- in the area. And we're doing commercials for it. I have zero experience in the TV business, but she asked if I would help and kind of spearhead the the behind the scenes stuff with with our members. And I was all up for it. I was like, and I told her, I said, I have zero clue of what's going on, but I'm all in. I would love to see what y'all do, how you do it. And I think that sometimes whenever some of the best experience happen when it's something like yours where all of a sudden somebody not, you know, you're nominated for this and asked to to do it. And it's just like, well, why not? What do you really have to quote unquote lose from the situation? Because I think even in our worst experiences, you still win because you're taught how not to do something. Or, you know, I went through an experience with one of my jobs where it was, I was miserable for three years. However, I learned so much in those three years. And I learned how I didn't want to be. I learned who I didn't want to be. I learned how I did not want to act just from the environment that I was in. And it taught me to be aware uh, for future situations. And just taking that one little step outside the comfort zone can really give you life experience that you wouldn't otherwise have. Right, exactly. And, you know, just to, to add on to that, I went through very, you know, when I was first starting, starting my business and opening things and becoming a equine gestalt coach and running a business. And, you know, I went to uh, conferences and, you know, listened to mentors and took classes. And what I would have to say is 
what I learned most is what I didn't want to do. You know, it, it was just like, you know, whatever, whatever thing they were selling, you know, whatever program they were selling, I was like, oh, that's like, so, you know, that just doesn't resonate with me at all. So I learned, you know, I, I, I invested money and I learned something. I learned what not, what was not going to work for me. So it's the same thing with athletes and all sorts of exercise programs and training and everything else. You also learn what doesn't work for you. You know, what works for Michael Jordan does not work for LeBron James. Okay. You know, you learn something. What I'd like to do is, is you have a personal journey or spiritual growth or awakening either while you were on trail, uh, in, in uh, Patagonia or Kilimanjaro or any kind of, you know, and I'm not talking, you know, burning bush on the side of the road or the clouds opened up and, you know, the angels came and spoke to you. But was there an, an internal little voice that you finally were able to get quiet enough and listen to and and shift things? It's funny because it happened on each of my three major hikes. And I do want your listeners to know, I am not some avid hiker. (laughs) Before I did Kilimanjaro, the longest hike I had been on, I think was seven miles. And that was preparing for Kilimanjaro. And the highest elevation I'd ever been was Sandia Peak in Albuquerque. And that was 10,000 feet. And I drove that. So (laughs) I... (laughs) Yikes. (laughs) I say that I am an ordinary person who just happened to do a few extraordinary things. And I did the base towers in Patagonia last, it was around New Year's. I did that dead last again. I was exhausted. They said it was 14 miles. My GPS told me it was closer to 20, but hey, (laughs) might have been because I was going so slow. I don't know. Zigzagging. But (laughs) it was, it was up, down, like, oh, it was, man, it was tough. But, and and add in the 60 mile an hour winds on the side of a cliff, you know, and you're just trying to, just trying to stay upright, not, not blow off into the valley. But on each one of the trips, and then Machu Picchu this last October, we're hiking on the second day to over Dead Woman's Pass. And I felt like I was on a Stairmaster for eight hours and they were all different kinds of hard. And there were different times in each one of those where it was just, I think a little earlier in both cases with Machu Picchu and in the base tower hike, because I had already gone through Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro, it wasn't until the summit night that I really realized I was doing this for me. I was doing this because I wanted to, and I was doing this because I wanted to show myself Initially, I had set out to do Kilimanjaro because I I have been very fortunate to surround myself with some really high elite caliber athletes. And I was jealous, not of them, but jealous of the fact I just didn't even have an ounce of their athletic ability to even begin to try and, and be that talented, right? And so I wanted something physically demanding, and that's why I set out to do Kilimanjaro. And then these other two, it was probably earlier on in probably in the first day or two when it was just a gentle reminder, you're okay. 
you're going to get through this. You will survive. It's going to be hard, but you're going to be okay. And every time I'm telling myself that, I would feel a little more sense of calm. And if for whatever reason, something got, I just got really stressed out again. And because it was really easy to do when you're, when you're hiking, I would just remind myself that my goal was to get to see the base towers in person. My goal was to see Machu Picchu was to hike on the Inca trail that the Incas had put there, you know, five, 600 years ago. And to be able to experience something that a lot of people don't get the chance to. And whenever I'm reflecting on that, I would just get a sense of calm in my body and it, it would help me relax and therefore it would help me push on. And I was able to, to, in the end, obviously get to get to both of them, no matter how tired I was or no matter how much I was hurting. <laughs> So you got quiet enough to hear your little soul wisdom saying, it's okay. You're not going to die. <laughs> you just keep going. Take a breath, one step in front of the other. I can completely relate, not from a hiking perspective, but many years ago, I won't say how many, my husband and I did the California AIDS ride, which is a bicycle ride from San Francisco to Los Angeles. So it's 575 miles, and I've had people tell me, you know, look at a map. It's all downhill. Yeah. <laughs> it's just north to south. That doesn't mean it's downhill. <laughs> but, you know, when we trained and we did, you know, we did century rides, we would, you know, do all sorts of training. And every night, usually because of me, we were usually the last group to come in. So we were able to get a shower, but it was never got a massage, never were able to get any kind of of any kind of physical therapy or anything because you weren't there early enough and the list was filled up by the time we got there. And I remember one night we got in, parked the bikes, then you had to go get your stuff, find your spot, put up your tent. You know, this is all after, you know, 80 miles of up and down, you know, bike riding. And when I got, when we got our stuff and I looked at to where we had to go and carry everything to where the tents were, I just sat down in the bike parking lot and started crying. And my poor husband, he was, he didn't know what to do with me. And he was like, oh my God, do you want me to carry everything? I'll get set up. You know what, you know, what can I do? And I just said, no, no, just, you know, find me a tissue or something, you know, and and I sat there and I cried and I just listened to my little voice and it said, you made it. And you can till, still take another step. So we got up, set up the tent, got food, went right to bed. And we got up in the morning. He said, you know, how are you doing? He thought I was going to quit. And I put my bike shorts on, put my bike shoes on. I said, let's hit the road. And he was like, oh, my God. You know, you just get quiet, listen to the voice. It's like, you know, I didn't die. It, it Was it a pain in the ass? Yes. We managed. Literally. Lit yes, literally. <laughs> but yeah, and I mean, you just get quiet, listen to the voice. And, you know, there will be some times when it's okay to say I'm done. 
which means you're done for right now. That doesn't mean you're not going to try again, but you're just done for right now. And that's okay. You know, just listen, listen to what your soul wisdom is telling you, because there will be times when your soul wisdom is saying, "Mm -mm, no, this is not right right now. And that's, that's all, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing journey. And I always like to say I was given the opportunity to experience a traumatic brain injury because it shifted a whole lot of things for me. And I think something that you said is it correlates to something I experienced when I was training. There's a a hill here in Fayetteville that's Cleveland Hill. It's over by the University of Arkansas. It is an incredibly steep hill. And it's, I mean, it's so steep that like sports cars really have to rev their engines to get up it. And I would practice walking that hill usually three, three to five times every time I would go. And one of my friends would always go with me. Her name is uh, Katrina Nesby and we call her Stick. That's her nickname. And Stick is, is six, four. I'm barely five, nine. So Stick has, her legs are a lot longer. That means her steps are a lot longer than mine. And one particular day we're going and I am dreading the fourth time that we're supposed to go. And it's the first, and I can't get that out of my head. And she's already half a block, three quarters of a block ahead of me. And she turned around and my head is down and I'm just huffing and puffing, trying to get up there. And she turns around and yells at me, just go stop sign to stop sign. And I was like, oh, I can do that. Okay. All right. Because we literally did go stop sign, stop sign at the bottom of Cleveland Hill to the stop sign at the top of Cleveland Hill. It's like, okay. It's your perspective. It's like, okay, how can I shift this? You know, oh my God, the whole hill. No, stop sign to stop sign. Well, sure, I can do that. Exactly. And that's what I ended up doing on the summit night, because thinking about getting to Uhuru Peak when I hadn't even got to Stella Point. So Stella Point is where the the mountain kind of levels out and then it goes up another 700 meters to Uhuru Peak. And I kept telling myself, go stop sign to stop sign. And I was creating a stop sign for myself. So a different rock was was my stop sign. So Every time I'm going stop sign to stop sign. Because sometimes that big goal can get a little daunting. And so just taking a matter of let's go from this point to that point. And just like you said, there were times where I would have to take a break, catch my breath again, because there's hardly any oxygen up there, <laughs> and just regroup and then keep going to the next stop sign. And I I do that a lot now when I have a goal set for myself, I did it for Machu Picchu and I did it for the base towers as well. Just looking at and creating my own stop sign and just taking it one step at a time, one stop sign at a time. So I'm not overwhelming myself with this. And just like you said, it's like, it's okay if I got to take a break. It's okay if I need to stop right now, catch your breath, regroup, Listen, remember what your goal is. And as long as physically you're still able to keep going forward without hurting yourself, then you've got this. And just just take it one step at a time. One step at a time. And the analogy that I will use, which I really don't like, but I'll use it anyway. You know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So I think it was Annie Lamott wrote a book about a young kid who who didn't do his his school project 
and he had two days to get his his book report done or this report done on birds and what was he going to do and he was freaking out and his dad said just do it one bird at a time it's just one thing at a time one stop sign at a time one bird at a time one bite at a time you don't have to do the whole big thing you know just one little piece at a time and you'll get there and whatever that works for you that's what works for you. It's not, you know, what works for me is not going to work for Jody. What works for Jody is not going to work for me. So let's figure out what works. And I do that with my client. What works for me is not going to work for you. Let's figure out what's going to work for you. And and gear things around that and put the program together around that. So before we close up for this evening, can you share any tips or practices that our listeners can do? like tomorrow, just to, you know, help with their mindset. Before December of 2019, I used to think there were certain things that were really cheesy that were not me, was not my jam. Vision boards and affirmations, those were two of them. Thought they were the cheesiest things you could possibly do. Now I'm all about them because I really believe that the way that you talk to yourself, the way that you hear yourself, and while saying things to yourself in your head is good, it makes a complete difference when you say those words out loud. It becomes real. And it's the same thing whenever you have a goal. If, you know, there's some people that say, oh, you should move in silence. You shouldn't tell anybody your goals. And again, that may work for some people. I personally believe when you tell the right people that if you have a certain goal, that's a sort of accountability. I believe that when you say it out loud, I am strong. I am wise, I am beautiful, whatever those affirmations may be, that it really starts to have an effect on how you do and how you are throughout the day. And so I, the number one thing I would say is any sort of positive talk to yourself, however that looks like to you. Some people choose Bible verses. Some people choose short phrases. Some people may just choose certain words, whatever it looks like to you, making sure that it's in a positive manner. And it's, you're going to remember that throughout the day. And so I actually have little cards that when I speak, I'll, I'll hand out that have daily affirmations on them just to get people started and and thinking about different things that, that may work for them. But that's the one thing that, that I could say is, is the way that you're speaking to yourself at the start of the day, in the morning, and how you set yourself up for the rest of the day, whatever you have going on that day. Exactly, exactly. Yes, and and you know, setting up, well, you know, voicing either in your mind or out loud, as you said, your intentions, your positive affirmations, and what you are doing, I truly believe, is you are you are giving that message to your soul wisdom and also to spirit, you know, whatever, whatever denominational, uh, you know, source that you adhere to, you're telling them, this is what I believe. This is what you'll get. This is what is brought back to you. And with the handing out of your intention cards, when you, when you do a speaking engagement, I truly believe that no matter what the saying is, I'm sure you've got different sayings on the cards, as you're handing them out, the person who needs to hear that is receiving the right card. 
all the time. And that's truly amazing. And it's just, you know, get quiet, listen to your soul wisdom. So thank you, Jody, for sharing your wisdom and all of your insights with us today. It's been an honor having you on the show. Links to your website and contact information will be listed in the show notes if anyone wants to get a hold of Jody for either coaching and or speaking opportunities. It's been a pleasure having you here and um, thank you all. And any final words of wisdom, Jody, before we close out the show? Go have an amazing time in that pageant. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yes, I'll keep you posted. I can't wait to be sitting here with my crown and sash. <laughs> yes. Thanks so much for having me, Terry. You're very, very welcome. So that concludes our episode for today. Thank you for tuning in to Soul Wisdom Transitions. Remember, as you navigate through the twists and turns of life transitions, trust in the wisdom of your soul, embrace the lessons, honor the growth, and always remain open to the guidance that comes your way. Until we reconvene for our next soul-stirring conversation, may you continue to blossom into the highest version of yourself, embrace the beauty of your journey, and always be guided by the whispers of your soul. Thank you all. Thank you for joining me on Soul Wisdom Transitions. I hope you found value in today's episode. If you enjoyed the content and would like to support my podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. Your feedback and suggestions are essential to my growth and improvement. If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover, you can reach me at terry at beginagainranch.com. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn to stay updated on future episodes and exclusive content. Remember, your soul wisdom is your power. Keep exploring, keep growing, and keep shining your light through life's transitions. Until next time, this is Terry, your soul wisdom guide, signing off for now, and may your journey be filled with boundless soul wisdom.